Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Does Anyone Really Need to Hear This? I am Mark Stockslager, back at it again, hopefully doing a more regular uh, recording schedule. I say that every time I do one of these, and there's several months to a year in between them, but um, I'm going to try to do them once a week, uh, trying to you know recap the movies I've seen either in theater or at home. I'm still going to want to do my um, three segments of what have I been watching, listening to, or reading. And when I do see a movie in the theater, I'm going to start um, keeping track of the trailers at play uh, before each movie so I can talk about those. Because um, I, you know, love movies. I like to see what's upcoming, and it'll be fun to say, ah, that trailer looks terrible. I'm not going to see that movie, or I'm going to keep this one on my radar. Now, uh, I did record about a half an hour's worth earlier, um, right before this, and my app got 13 seconds of that. Now, I was using my phone, now I'm using my iPad. Hopefully, this works, because if I do another half an hour... <laughs> and it doesn't take, you know, I'm, I think I, I'm just going to give up podcasting in general, which I, which is probably good advice. But um, without further delay, I'm going to probably try to say everything I said before. I don't know if that means I'm going to be able to get it all out in 15 minutes or if it's going to take me 45. Um, but let's start, you know, with listening and reading first. What I've been listening to is... Um, well, basically, recently, uh, on my Apple Music, I have added, let me get to that on my phone, it would be nice if I had that at the ready, it would be, you know, a professional thing to do, but in your Apple Music library, they always have the recently added stuff, so, I'll go back to everything now, the new Arcade Fire album debuted last week, I want to say, and, um, while it is their weakest album, in my opinion, it's not a bad album. I think there are a few tracks on here that are pretty bad. Um, but the album as a whole, like, there's more good than bad. I think the highlights are the title track, Everything Now, Creature Comfort, uh, Electric Blue. A lot of the singles are great. And then the official, well, not the official album closer, but the last full song in the album is called We Don't Deserve Love. And I think it's one of Arcade Fire's best songs in general. So there's everything now. Uh, the Killers have an album coming out in September called Wonderful, Wonderful. The Man, their first single came out uh, a while ago, and Run For Cover just came out recently. And I think that's a pretty solid song. I, th I think that hopefully this album is going to shape up to be a Stone Cold classic, which is what I've come to expect from The Killers. I also have uh, uh, George A. Romero's Martin soundtrack on here by Donald Rubenstein, which I actually bought on vinyl from work while ago. Uh, the Salem's Lot soundtrack I have here, and um, the soundtrack, original soundtrack from the film that I saw today, which is a ghost story, and we'll get into that later. Um, but that's pretty much the main brunt of what I've been listening to uh, very recently. Uh, what I've been... Uh, uh, did I say reading or listening to? I don't remember. What I have been reading, I started reading Stephen King's the Dark Half, uh, a few days ago, and it's a little slow in going right now, I'll be honest, um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to finish it, plug, uh, you know, plug through it, because, uh, George Romero directed a, 
movie adaptation of it, and that led me earlier into talking about George Romero's passing away, because obviously um, I haven't podcasted since. I think the last time I podcasted was sometime last year, I want to say. Or was it early, early this year for my top ten movies? But either way, I haven't gotten a chance to... I, I mean, I've done a lot of social media and, and talking in real life about George Romero. So there's not a lot more I can say, but um, I was a huge fan from, from you know, my teenage years, having seen the first three dead films, and, and now trying to just, well, really, I want to watch and own and discover everything he's done, and I'm getting close. Um, there are a few things I've yet to see or own, and um, I'm working on that, but um, I think even in the months before he passed away, or years really, before he passed away, I gained a greater appreciation of his non-dead films. Um, Creepshow I've liked for a little while, but movies like Knight Riders and Martin, uh, I have I hadn't seen those before this year, 2017, and uh, to me Knight Riders is his second best film. Uh, Dark, uh, Dark Knight. Dawn of the Dead is always going to be my favorite movie of his and in general, but I think George's second best movie is Knight Riders, and Martin, I think, is, is great, too. Um, the Crazies is a great non, non-zombie non uh, creep show, obviously, like I mentioned. Um, so, you know, I definitely uh, miss George. Wish we could have gotten more from him. Wish he could have lived another 10, 20 years and, and continued to, to make movies and had the money to make movies, but... Um, Regardless, that what he's given us is enough, more than enough for, for you know, for me to call him a legendary director and probably going to be my favorite director forever. So, um, you know, obviously much love uh, and tribute to George Romero. So yeah, I'm um, going to read the dark half and then seek out probably the Scream Factory, Shout Factory Blu-ray release of that. Um. I think this is, yeah, this episode is definitely going to be shorter than the one I did before, but that's fine. Don't want to be long-winded. So that brings me to what I've been watching. Now, uh, I didn't talk a lot about The Dark Tower um, in the failed record, but I'll say something about it here because I did see that on um, Friday. And um, obviously, speaking of Stephen King, I have not read any of the Dark Tower books yet. Um, I plan to, and I plan to even before seeing this movie, um, the movie does not, the movie makes me think there must be something so much better in these books, because the movie, I think, is is pretty weak. You can see, you can, I think what you can glean, what I glean from the movie is, there's a much better story to be told that this movie just completely bungled. Um, wasting good actors like Idris Elba, and Matthew McConaughey, who sleptwalked through that movie, and making the main focus of the movie this really snoozy kid instead of Idris Elba, who, again, did what he could in this movie, but he wasn't given much. So I was, you know, didn't very much like that movie, but definitely want to check out the King uh, King's novels. So um, I did not... Uh, I think I mentioned the trailer roundup thing. I didn't do that for... 
uh, Dark Tower, but I did do that today for a ghost story. I went to Pittsburgh Mills um, to see a ghost story. Just dropped my phone. And I also am planning on seeing Detroit soon, so hopefully next episode I can I can talk about Detroit and the trailers uh, before that. Um, but today I went to see um, a ghost story at Pittsburgh Mills. I saw, what is that, se is that seven trailers? Oh. So anyways, first trailer was Wood Shock, all one word, Wood Shock. And it's a Kirsten Dunst movie. It's also put out by A24, who did a ghost story. And um, uh, it comes at night, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, it's, it's, a, it's one about loss. A woman going through loss, which is similar to Ghost Story, and there's some drug elements. It definitely looks interesting visually, but I don't think I'm dying to see it. Uh, another movie by A24 called Good Time, Good Time, uh, starring Robert Pattinson. It's kind of like a his brother's like in jail and he's trying to get him out, like a little crime drama. Definitely has like an interesting look to it, kind of a gritty you know, gritty, grimy look. It's got this 80s synthwave soundtrack, as is the the fashion in 2016 and 17, but again, not something I'm dying to see. Another movie called The Only Living Boy in New York. This is like a family drama with Pierce Brosnan and uh, Kate Beckinsale, and just doesn't look like my kind of thing. Might be good. Um, the, the, this young man sees his dad out and about with Kate Beckinsale, and he investigates, and then Kate Beckinsale comes on to him. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't look like my thing. Ingrid Goes West, Ingrid Goes West, starring Aubrey Plaza and Elizabeth Olsen. This one, again, I, there's only one of these movies I really want to see that bad. Um, but this one certainly looks unique and interesting. Uh, Aubrey Plaza is, like, obsessed with Instagram celebrities and kind of stalks slash befriends Elizabeth Olsen. Definitely looks weird. I think if it gets a lot of good buzz, I might see it, but... Wasn't a huge fan of Aubrey Plaza on Parks and Rec. I thought her character was more annoying than funny. So I've kind of just avoided her post Parks and Rec stuff. Next movie called Brad's Status. This is the only the, the the last I'm saving the best for last, but this one I would watch if it was like on a Netflix thing. Because it was written and directed by Mike White, who's done some good stuff in the past. Uh, it's got Ben Stiller, uh Jenna Fisher. And the young man who played Ron on The Walking Dead. And he's going to college. And Brad, or Ben Stiller is his dad. And he's going through a midlife crisis because all of his college friends are more successful than him. Looks looks kind of cute. And I like Mike White stuff. So if it comes to Netflix, I'll watch it. But this, the next, this last one, I think I would probably want to check out in theaters. It's called, the three, or it's called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And uh, Frances McDormand plays a mother whose daughter was murdered. And she puts up these billboards because they haven't, like, the police haven't really made any advancements in figuring out who did it. And she's getting fed up. So it looks like it has a dark, dark humor to it. It's got a great cast, like I mentioned Frances McDormand, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, um, the young man from uh, Manchester by the Sea, which I can't, oh, Lucas Hedges is in this for a little bit. John Hawks, Peter Dinklage, so good cast, um, interesting premise. I probably would want to check that out in the theater if it's not too much of a hassle. Uh, so let's move on to a ghost story. Now, uh, this is an A24 
production directed by David Lowry, directed and written by David Lowry, who also did Pete's Dragon and Ain't Them Body Saints. And that one I did see on demand uh, a couple years ago when it was out. That one I had pretty hyped up in my mind. Uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, who also star in Ghost Story, were in that. And it just had this kind of westerny feel to it, kind of a beautiful, ethereal feel. And I think the movie had great style but little substance. And because it was trying to tell like this narrative story, whereas Ghost Story is more like a, you know, an experiment. Whereas Ain't Them Body Saints was more just like. Here's this uh, kind of Western, these two are like Bonnie and Clyde types, you know, thieves. But it, it didn't really, I didn't really love it. So, I think this is definitely the better movie. And I think it's the better A24 movie that I've seen so far. Um, I will get into, after talking about Ghost Story, comparing it to It Comes at Night. There's not a lot of similarities. I'll say that right now, but I'll just talk about it a little bit. Um, a ghost story, when I first saw the trailer, I said, this is either going to be, like, really good, like, interesting and good, or just a huge eye roller. And then I, I was like, I don't know if there's going to be much in between. Um, let me, so when I saw that trailer, that was my reaction. Let me read the description here. Uh, it stars Casey Affleck as C, Rooney Mara as M, and it follows the ghost of a recently deceased man who remains in the house he shared with his wife. Now, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm not going to... Let me uh, take that again. <laughs> I'm going to try not to spoil this movie. Um, there's not a lot to spoil. There's not a lot of big reveals. Um, and the main brunt of the movie is revealed in the trailer. So, like I said, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara, a married couple, they live in this kind of neighborhood-type house kind of looks pretty rural. Um, he dies in a car accident early in the movie, and he comes back as this ghost in a, in a kind of stereotypical white sheet ghost thing with the eyes cut out, you know, that you, you saw in Great Pumpkin, you know, the Charlie Brown thing. And this, this ghost is representing his spirit remaining, and the fact that he's kind of wondering, what's my, you know, what's left behind? What's my unfinished business? Do I, am I going to remain in the memory of my wife or am I going to have a legacy? And that's kind of the overarching theme of the movie is loss and legacy and time and what, you know, what mark do we make on this world when we leave? Um, there's not a main thesis statement, I think, of the movie, and I don't think there necessarily should be. Now, a lot of this movie is visual, told visually, and that's when it's at its best. When it gets into the prognosticating, and literally there's a character in the credits called Prognosticator, I think that's when it's not at its best. I don't think that scene ruined the movie at all, but I don't think it, it, it did better. It, it explored themes better just showing you things happening with little to no dialogue than this party scene where a guy goes on a nihilistic rant, which is what he does. I'm referring to Will Oldham's scene at a house party where he talks for about five or so minutes, maybe more, about legacy and, and what, you know, does anything mean anything? 
If you write a song, write a book, make a movie, paint a painting, what have you, compose a play, or whatever he was talking about, you know. And he's saying some fairly interesting things, but it's all tell and no show, whereas 95% of the rest of the movie is showing and not telling. There's some great stuff visually with Casey Affleck as the ghost showing you his ghostly emotions, I guess, but without, you know, obviously the ghost's not going to speak, just with things playing out and really cool visuals, I think. So when this, when this prognosticator scene comes on, I, I don't think, like I said, it doesn't kill the movie, but it definitely kind of pumps the brakes and doesn't do the movie its best justice, I guess. Um, this is a movie, and I, I, yeah, so I'm not going to go through the whole plot and, and spoil it, um, but I'll just, you know, give my thoughts and, and stuff. It is not really a narrative. Um, there, Like I said, there's little dialogue except for that one scene. It's told visually. There are long, established shots there are times when you a person might even get bored and fidgety. Now, I think this movie... I'm glad I saw this movie in the theater. Because... And I think if you do want to see this that bad, you know, and if it's within a 30 or so minute drive from you, definitely check it out if you're, if you're interested in it. Because in the theater, I mean... Because... Because there are moments with no dialogue and almost no audio... A person might, if watching this at home, might kind of their their eyes might stray to the phone, or or they might, you know, doodle around or something. But in a darkened theater where you, if you're a human being, shouldn't pull out your phone, you're you're you have to look at the screen and you can't look away. And I think that's how to experience this. Like just drink it all in, even if there's nothing happening on the screen for a minute. You know, just. Let it just, you know, take it in. So, um, for instance, this isn't a spoiler, I don't think. It's not in the trailer, but people are talking about it. There's a, like an over five-minute scene, I want to say, of Rooney Mara grief-eating a pie. And she goes to town on this thing and almost eats the entire thing. And she's just sitting on the floor of that kitchen with Casey Affleck's ghost watching her. And she just, just woofs this pie down. And it's very well done. It's not over over the top, I don't think. There's no, uh, you know, blubbering and crying out to the skies and whatever. It's just, she's just stuffing this food in her mouth, giving herself almost no time to chew or swallow. And it, and it just looks like a person who's going, just going through some serious emotions and getting through it by stuffing their face. I think we can all sympathize or, um, you know, relate to that. Um, even in the case of like, you just had a crappy day at work and you just get home and you're just like, I'm just going to stuff my face. I'm barely even going to pay attention to what I'm eating. I'm just going to shovel it in my mouth. You know, maybe I'm the only one. Uh, no, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's a long sequence of just her eating a pie. But so again, this is not a narrative story. It's not a typical movie. It's, you know, it's not like the weirdest thing you've ever seen. I haven't seen Tree of Life, 
Um, I, but I'm sure that's way weirder than this. But this is certainly not your average everyday blockbuster, you know, that you go to see at the movies. Um, but I definitely like it, and I think the only times I got a little confused were in the last, like, 20 minutes or so, when things were happening where I was like, I don't know how this fits in, I'm not sure what's going on, but, like, you can see, I, I see with my eyes what's going on, but I'm like, well, what does this mean within the frame of the movie, you know? Because, like I said, there's no thesis statement, but you can kind of understand maybe the the arc of Casey Affleck or something like that. And so it took me maybe a half an hour after the movie just kind of thinking about it and going on Reddit and reading what other people have to say to fully go, okay, so that's, what's, was, that's what that represented, if you will. And so I do, I kind of want to see the movie again. Um, I really would just love to talk about it with someone. Like if, if somebody I knew saw it, it would, um, it's always fun to talk about movies, obviously, um, with your friends and family, but especially a movie like this, which is such a, you know, discussion-type movie. Um, so I'm glad I saw it, and I think, I, I think I really liked it, because my expectations were in the right place. That leads me to comparing it to It Comes at Night. Now, like I said, there's not a lot of similarities, but It Comes at Night is an A24 picture, and... I saw the trailer and went, oh, the, you know, my my hype level went went sky high. I had high expectations for this movie. It's got Joel Edgerton. It looks real tense, real scary. Um, I think the marketing kind of hurt that movie a little bit. Because while I don't think it's a bad movie at all, I think it's actually quite good, it didn't really deliver on the promise of the trailer, I think is a fair thing to say. And you... And so, what we got was a good movie, but the trailer had me expecting something and wanting something else. Kind of a little bit the same with War for the Planet of the Apes, but I just absolutely love that it's full, you know, full stop. So, um, it comes at night, and so expectations really play into it, my enjoyment of a movie. I kind of knew what to expect coming into this. I knew it wasn't going to be your average movie. I thought it's going to be weird, experimental. I might, I was probably worried I wouldn't like it very much, but I came out really liking it and liking it the more I think and talk about it. And so I think, yeah, I think that I definitely like this movie more than it comes at night, even though their comparison really only ends with. A24, and that it's kind of a study on loss and grief, too. I mean, um, doesn't really go in, in as deep. Um, it Comes the Night doesn't really go as deep as a ghost story, and there, or there's more of a narrative story in It Comes at Night, but it's certainly not as fulfilling as I think a lot of people would have hoped. So, um, that's a ghost story. What was I going to do after this? I did have something planned. I'm just going to, you know, five minutes of dead silence. No, but, um, that is that. I talked about the trailers, compared it to It Comes at Night. I'm only at 24 minutes. I was, you know, I was setting the cap at 30, so maybe I can just, just talk about nothing? Maybe I can talk about nothing for the last, that's uh, my terrible Jerry Seinfeld. Um, or I can end it there.
and I probably will. So, again, let's hope this actually gets out to the public and this actually recorded. Um, let's hope that I can be disciplined in doing this more often. Um, hopefully the day I see the day I see Detroit or the day after I can do another one of these. So yeah, roughly once a week or once every 10 days, depending on what, you know, how the spirit moves me. So that is, and I'll, I'll still continue to do guest episodes. We might have like a specific talk, topic to talk about, or we could do just one of these, you know, our three segments, the listening, the reading, the watching. Um, but usually when we do guest episodes, it's to talk about like a movie we all just saw or a, a season of a show, something like that. Um, but that, I think that's going to, I'm thinking I'm going to wrap it up. Um, if you haven't, look, and I know I probably have like three or four people that listen to this, if that. If you have ideas, throw them my way. If you live, you know, in Pennsylvania with me, and want to do an episode or have an idea where the you know we can do an episode, run it by my way. I'll probably say no. I'll probably shoot you down. But do it, <laughs> do it nonetheless. Anyways, that's gonna do it for today. Thank you for listening. Does anyone really need to hear this? The answer is no.